This is a special time-sensitive episode of the Retirement Wisdom Podcast, and that's because they're back. You may have noticed the ads about Medicare are back on your screen in a fast and furious fashion because it's Medicare open enrollment. So I want to invite back Diane Omdahl to walk us through what do we need to know? What are some things to watch out for? What's different this year? And what should we be paying attention to if you're considering making changes or need to review your coverage during Medicare open enrollment? Diane Omdahl is the author of Medicare for You, A Smart Person's Guide. She's an RN and has a master's degree as well. She's a nationally recognized Medicare expert. And in 2012, she co-founded a company, 65 Incorporated, that provides one-on-one consultations to individuals dealing with Medicare. Her first company, Beacon Health, provided home care agencies with Medicare compliance guidance from 87 until she sold it in 2008. She served as a technical expert for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS. It's the organization that runs the Medicare program. And she's a frequent speaker on Medicare-related issues. In addition to be a registered nurse, she holds a master's degree in health services administration. You'll see her on Forbes.com. She's a contributor on the topic of Medicare. And she's been featured in many national publications, including the Washington Post, PBS Money Watch, Forbes, and the Wall Street Journal's Market Watch Monk. You'll find a link to her book and her company, 65 Incorporated, in the show notes. Diane, great to talk with you again. Thanks for coming back to help us get smarter about Medicare open enrollment. Well, thank you again for the invitation. So let's start with the basics. When does Medicare open enrollment begin and when does it end? Medicare enrollment, open enrollment begins this Sunday, the 15th of October, and it goes until December 7th. At any time during that period, you can make changes in Medicare. We always advise clients not to wait until the last minute because it gets crazy, absolutely crazy. So we say, make your decisions and act, you know, at at least during the month of November. So what changes can you make during open enrollment? The changes that people can make, uh, first off, you're already enrolled in Medicare. Many people think this is the time to get in, but people who are enrolled in Medicare who have prescription drug coverage or Medicare Advantage plans can make changes. For instance, you can change from one Part D drug plan to another. You can change from one Medicare Advantage plan to another, be it with or without drug coverage. You can drop your original Medicare coverage and go to Medicare Advantage, which many people do based on the numbers that keep going up. You can join a Part D drug plan if you did not do that. And interestingly, we just talked to a woman yesterday. We did her and her husband helped them out about six months ago. He enrolled in the drug plan and she forgot. (laughs) So now she can't do it until open enrollment and she'll face a penalty. And the last thing is dropping Medicare Advantage and returning to original Medicare. Part A and Part B, and you can get a drug plan. And I need to emphasize, you get A, B, and a drug plan automatically, but if you want to get a Medicare supplement or Medigap policy, depending on where you live, you likely will have to pass medical underwriting. And that's one thing people don't know, and that's very important to know. Thanks for pointing that out. And how about the flip side? What can't you change during open enrollment? I think the biggest misconception people have is that Open enrollment also applies to the Medigap policies, the supplement insurance. We hear from people who aren't happy with their Medicare supplement plan, and they think they can change it during open enrollment. We've heard from people who didn't get a Medicare supplement or Medigap policy when first eligible, and they think now they can add it like if they would with a drug plan. However, open enrollment doesn't apply to Medigap policies. If you want to change your Medigap policy, you can apply it any time during the year. And again, 
medical underwriting may apply. If you are trying to change from a Medicare Advantage to a Medicare supplement, Medigap policy, there's only two times you can drop that Advantage plan, and one of them is coming up. So we say shop for your Medicare supplement first, get your guaranteed acceptance in hand, and then disenroll from the Advantage plan during open enrollment, and you'll be good to go January 1. So that takes us through 101, if you will, the basics. But what's new or different about open enrollment this year? Yes, that this is going to be probably one of the most fun, uh, you know, I'm being sarcastic, that I've ever done. And I've been doing this now for, what is this going to be? My 12th year, I think, of open enrollment. The Inflation Reduction Act had some significant impacts on what we face. Last year, this was already in effect that all insulin, injectable insulin, was $35. The plan finder did not reflect that, but this year it is showing all injectable insulin is $35. Not connected to open enrollment is insulin with a pump that is under the Part B, so it's not medical insurance. So that's not part of this, but that also is capped at 35. So that's all set to go. Then the biggest change is the elimination of coinsurance and catastrophic coverage. And when I say that, people look at me and go, huh? (laughs) It's like, yeah, okay, you didn't even know you were probably paying that. Uh, To understand this, we have to back up and look at how the drug plan payment is structured. People who take many and or expensive drugs are going to end up paying four different prices through the calendar year. You know, they, they go to the pharmacy and one time it's $47 and the next time it's this and they say, huh? That's because there are these payment stages. There's the deductible, which applies to certain drugs. It can vary plan to plan. And next year that will be $545. Usually it's your expensive drugs. You have to meet that. And then most of the people live in the second stage, which is initial coverage. This is where everybody pays like $5, $10, whatever for their drugs. People who take three to four brand name drugs then are going to move into the third stage, which is coverage gap or donut hole. We've all heard that term. That is a straight 25% that everybody pays for any drug in the donut hole. And then finally, we get to this fourth stage, which is catastrophic coverage. People who basically have spent out of pocket end up there. And in that stage this year, they're paying 5% for their drugs. There is no cap, so a straight 5%. So one example would be a drug on television that treats psoriasis. That's about a $12,000 drug. So 5% is well over $1,000 that person is paying this year. Now, the catastrophic coverage coinsurance is going away next year. So that person who is paying that $12,000 every annually is not going to pay that next year. So once they've gotten to like $3,500 or so out of their own pocket, and there's other calculations, they won't have another penny to pay for the rest of the year. So it took me a minute when I went in to look at this year's plans for some of our clients because come April, May through December, I saw all zeros and I thought, oh yeah, <laughs> it's, it's very unusual. Now. People are going to celebrate this who have been spending that much, right? But there's always a other side to the story. These costs are basically going to shift to Part D drug plans. A recent study out of the ASPA Office of Health Policy noted that 1.5 million drug plan enrollees, that's about 4%, who reach this stage of catastrophic coverage will save about $3,100 next year. And drug plans are going to pay that. So do the math. 3,100 times 1.5 million people adds up to to about 
in my math, 4.6 billion that drug plans will pay next year. They're not paying this year. That's pretty clear, right? <laughs> All you have to do is say it's shifting and the drug plans are going to pay it. So our question, since we read this, is what impact will this have on the other 96% who don't reach catastrophic coverage? And we are now seeing that by looking at the plans for 2024. First off, a sticker shock. I looked at plans in three zip codes. I found examples. For instance, one of the cheapest plans the last few years has a premium in that zip code of $4.50. Next year, that's going to be $18.60. A middle-of-the-road plan for people who take more drugs, $18.40 this year, going to be $35 next year. I don't think there's going to be much escaping that because premiums are pretty much up around the board. There is one company that has took its premium of its cheapest plan and most of the zip codes I've seen from between $8 to $10, and now it's like $0.40, (laughs) $0.50 for a drug plan, not even a cup of coffee. There's, again, trade-offs. Second impact, increased cost sharing, which means the increase in how much beneficiaries will pay. One of the biggest, most significant changes I found was that plans are changing from a co-payment to a co-insurance. A co-payment is a flat flat rate like $10 or $47. No matter the cost of the drug, that's what you pay all year. A co-insurance is a percentage of the cost. So if you're paying... 20% of a drug that costs $100, that's going to be 20. 20% of 100 is $20, right? If the price of the drug goes up, your share goes up. So what I saw in about, probably about a third of the plans I looked at, they're changing the coinsurance for the cost sharing for tier three drugs from a flat co-payment to a coinsurance. Now in the past, I might see one or two cases where a plan changed a co-payment to a coinsurance but I've already come upon 15, 16 plans. And again, the impact of that, if we take that a tier three drug advertised in my area, retail cost of 550, it's going to go from $47 this year to $91 a month next year. And if that drug goes up, which we know they never go down, it's going to be more. So that's one big change. Second change is an increase in coinsurance. Uh, tier four, tier five, those are your preferred brand names, your specialty drugs that have always a coinsurance. Tier four runs around uh, 30 to 47%. Tier five is mandated to be 25 to 33%. Anyway, those are the drugs on TV. Some of those have retail costs of $20,000. If the coinsurance increases by 5%, as I have found, that would increase the payment that a person uh, would have to pay up to $1,000 or more every month. And Again, when they hit the the catastrophic, you know, they'll just hit it faster. But some people, people that take tier threes may never hit catastrophic coverage, so they're just going to pay more. If any of that sinks in, the point is pay attention. If you see your plan is changing from a co-payment to a co-insurance, see if there's anything else that you could do. I found an interesting case of one tier three drug advertised on TV for weight loss that was a co-insurance in one plan as a tier three. And in another plan, it was a tier six, which is a specialty drug for diabetes. So the difference in payment was approximately 150 in the one plan and $6 in the other. Just what can you say? (laughs) Then finally, Medicare Advantage, those who have elected that should pay attention to networks. 
There have been recent news stories about hospital systems dropping out of Medicare Advantage plans completely or partially because of excessive prior off, sole payments, and denials. Uh, Some of these hospitals reported that they're losing significant amounts of money to Medicare Advantage. Now, you may not live in an area where these hospitals are doing that, but be aware, doctors also face these same restraints. They deal with prior auth. They deal with slow payments. They deal with denials. The system isn't fixing itself in prior auth. Uh, CMS has talked about changing the rules, but I looked at them, and I almost think it may be more of a burden on the doctor than on the plan because of the documentation. But I have to dig into that after open enrollment. So anyway, the cost sharing is going to be most interesting to look at. And like, I've only done a few open enrollments, but already it's just, it's a challenge. Well, I'm glad I asked and thank you for taking, taking us through that. And that raises a question about who should really, really pay attention to changes this year. Well, unfortunately, some studies have shown that probably fewer than 30% of beneficiaries compare their current plan to other plans in their area. Now, in the past, this was a concern because plans could change premiums, plans could change how much you pay for a drug, plans could change your pharmacy networks. But this year, it's going to be even more significant based on the uh, dissertation I just presented. Anyway, so who should pay attention? I decided to go back through last year's records and look at or what we did with clients, all right? So if you don't think you need to pay attention, but you fall into one of these categories, then pay attention. For instance, you may not have reviewed your plan in a while. Uh, We had one client who last looked at it three years ago, saved over $6,000. If you're on a new drug, particularly if you don't take many, over $1,000. Drugs advertised on television, any of those now are going to fall into all of these changes. So you have to pay attention. Maybe consider using mail order instead of your pharmacies. Also, don't assume a preferred pharmacy is going to be a deal because I just saw that the preferred pharmacy was about $600 more a year than just a standard network. And that doesn't make any sense, but that's the way it is. I think one of the the things that we have always talked about is if you have a drug plan sponsored by the same insurance company as your supplement. Usually the drug plans that go with the supplement companies tend to have higher premiums. You know, you go to an agent to buy your supplement, throws in a drug plan, you think you've got it done, but those are two separate companies. You don't have to get the same drug plan as the, from the same company as the supplement. So pay attention because we saved one client $1,800 by changing to a different plan. That becomes the, the challenge though. Just look. Now you can do that through the Medicare plan finder. It has become more user-friendly, but at least it will, it will highlight some of the issues that are going on. So, Appreciate that. So this is a big question, but I think it's an important one. What key factors should people consider in choosing between original Medicare and Medicare Advantage? I think the key factors have to, to deal with what you don't see in the commercials. I started looking at the commercials that are out, and the material that's coming in the mail, all right? And invariably, dental coverage ends up as the first or second point. In the, the flyer I got yesterday, something about zero payment on the front in the second page was dental, all right? Uh, people focus too much on dental. They want dental. The vision, I had a question from a man that, that wanted to give up his retiree coverage because he needed to get glasses. <laughs> and I said, 
just stop and think at age 65. Dental's important. Vision's important. Gym membership's important. But what about age 75 or 80 when you start to have health problems? How is this coverage going to work for you? So we talk to people about the networks. You have to live with a network because all the plans are network-based. Some are more restrictive than others. So investigate that. We talk about the out-of-pocket costs. Zero co-payment for your primary doctor, but doesn't mean it's free. You know, you, you pay for other things. So go past that zero to the out-of-pocket maximum. You're, you know, like if you were hit by a bus, how much would you pay? Or if you get cancer, how much would you pay? And then look at the coverage rules. Networks is one, but if you're in an HMO health maintenance organization, you're going to need referrals, which may limit your, your choice of doctors. Prior authorization, you can't escape. You absolutely can't escape that. And you have to live with that. And depending on where you are in the country, it may be worse than it is in other places, but that becomes an issue now. As I, I briefly mentioned, Centers for Medicare Medicaid Services is proposing some rules, but they will not take effect until 2026. Some of the insurance companies themselves are putting out there that they're reducing their prior authorization requirements, but dig into that and look at them. I looked at one company's and it was like six of 10 pages was related to durable medical equipment. I didn't even realize that you had a prior off all the different pieces of the, the grips or the wheels on wheelchairs. Important for people who have those needs, but if it's not important for you. So my words to people, and again, you know, I've been accused of being biased against advantage. And I said, I'm not a biased against that. I'm biased against people not shopping carefully. You're going to go buy a new car. You spend 14 hours testing and reviewing literature. What do you do with Medicare Advantage? You go with what a friend ha- says works, or you talk to an agent, or you go with a commercial. Come on, people, do your homework. I'm an educator. That's what I try to have people do. I have helped people get into Medicare Advantage, but they, they have informed consent. That's, so that's a big issue. Thank you for asking that because people need to work. They, Medicare is so complicated. I don't want to do anything with it. I tell them we're working on a pill, but it's going slowly. I asked because when I was getting ready to enroll in Medicare, I used your services and you took me through a very comprehensive debrief. And that was one of the key things that I learned in my case that was hugely helpful. And I just want to make sure that we're sharing, sharing that. And We'll talk more later about how people can can access the different ways you have as an educator in terms of your service and also your book could be very helpful resources. But I was surprised that you were talking about the commercials because here I was thinking if we see something on TV or we read it on the internet, it must be it must be true. So <laughs> it is true as far as it goes. Then read the fine print. <laughs> there you go. And yeah. on that fine print, what what don't the ads tell us? What's what are they leaving out? What are they glossing over? I think with the commercial, I was going to say, you know, the zero copay, zero premium, zero deductible, zero copay. Well, then there's that tiny little white type. (laughs) You know, I froze the television, got out a magnifying glass. Well, zero premium is true. Just about everybody has access. Many plans do not have a deductible, but the copay may apply to your primary physician depending on where you live. Okay, period. Do not assume that's across the board right? That's the commercials. The free dental. The free dental is within the limits of the plan. Plans, KFF found that the, I believe the limit was less than $2,000 that you could get. So I had a, a one of my uh, tenant's neighbors 
asked a question because he needs to get dentures, but they're telling him it's going to be like $2,500. Well, he hit his limit because he had some fillings and some cleaning. I noticed in one plan for next year, the plan right now has a $1,500 dental limit and it will cover dentures up to that limit. But next year, it's going to cover dentures at 50%, which devalued that plan for dentures. So got to pay attention to changes. And that's the annual notice of changes. Don't pay attention to the commercials. Look at your annual notice of changes and then do your homework. So what are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make during open enrollment that we should be really locked in on and make sure we avoid? I think uh, waiting till the last minute, then they can't get through or something gets uh, messed up. All right. So that's the mistake I already said, assuming that you don't have to do anything if you love your plan. That happened. Uh, I did a client last year. I did his wife early this year. And she says, I'm not supposed to tell you this, Diane. Her husband didn't take any drugs. He was in the cheapest plan that he could be in. But then he didn't open his annual notice and come to find out that this, I think this was two years ago, the plan he was in was discontinued and he was enrolled automatically in one that went from $10 to $69. So she's, I'm not supposed to tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, op- and mistake, not opening your annual notice of changes. As far as open enrollment goes, yeah, I think that those are the biggest ones. And I mentioned I was a client of yours when I enrolled in Medicare. And we'll have links to your company, 65 Incorporated, and also to your book. Tell us a little bit about what clients can expect, how you help clients, what the service entails. Our open enrollment consultation, we call it a tune-up. Basically, the client provides the drugs and the pharmacies and the name of the current plan, and he identifies any concerns that may exist. And then we we do a plan comparison. We look at three plans. We keep the current plan in the mix and then two other options. And and then by digging in, as I just mentioned, the example with the weight loss drug where I found it was a tier three in one plan. And interestingly, in that plan, the tier three plan was just a smidge cheaper than the other one. And the big difference was premium. But then when I discovered that this tier three versus a tier six, over the course of the year, the person will save money in the one that's a little bit more money now, which is hard to convince people. I think the same thing is with, we go beyond premiums. We had a client who took a lot of medications and a $29 plan would have covered it, but the best plan was $109. He could not fathom how paying $80 a month more would save him money. But that's what we, we go in and we look. We look at the coverage rules, like what are you going to have to live with? If you have If you have step therapy, meaning you have to try a cheaper drug first in one plan and not in the other, the other one's going to be better, less hassle, and you get what you need. Then we provide basically a written report that compares the different important premiums, costs, whatever, and then a summary of what we found. So it's not just looking at cost. It's digging into what they're going to have going forward. And it can be quite involved or it can be relatively simple depending on the case. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. And thank you for making us so much smarter about open enrollment. And <laughs> That's my goal, Joel. Yes. <laughs> put me out of business. I, I, put me out of business. <laughs> and, and reminding us that it always comes down to doing, doing our homework, don't make assumptions, and, and read the fine print. Very well said. Very good way to end. <laughs> Thanks, Diane. Thank you, Joel. Time for takeaways, ways to turn this podcast conversation with Diane Omdahl today into action that can help you. And this is a pretty straightforward one. It's to underscore a lot of the things that she pointed out that will help you make the right choices if they're appropriate for you 
during Medicare open enrollment. Number one, don't assume. So we all know the sayings about making assumptions, but don't assume that everything's okay, everything's static, that there really aren't any changes in your particular plan. Don't make that assumption. Read the documents. Do the research. Number two, do your homework. There are different ways to do it, including her uh, service, 65 Incorporated, which I've used and will use again for this tune-up. But there are other ways you can do it as well. But do your homework. Look into it. Make sure you understand your choices. Don't rely on information from others who might have a situation that's good for them but may not be right for you. And certainly don't rely on the commercials coming your way and different advertisements. Pay attention to the fine print and the details because for you and the changes, it may make a big difference. And finally, and this is one I'm highlighting in my personal notes from this conversation, do not wait till the last minute. It's tempting, but the season is here. Open enrollment is open. So if you're going to do something, if you're going to review it, do it now. Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. Our mission is to help you retire smarter by spending some time, investing some time on preparation for the non-financial sides of retirement. You can see all of our episodes at a glance at our website, retirementwisdom.com. Thanks for listening.